Hello, I'm Ryan Boll, a Middle East and North Africa analyst at Stratfor, a rain company. This podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, rain's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Special subscription rates for podcast listeners can be found at stratfor.com slash podcast offer. Welcome to the Essential Geopolitics podcast from Stratfor, a rain company. I'm Emily Donahue. Today I'm speaking with Stratfor senior global analyst, Sim Tak. Welcome, Sim. Hi, thank you, Emily. Sim, in recent weeks there's been a flare-up in border tensions between Armenia and Azerbaijan over the disputed region of Nagorno-Karabakh. While such flare-ups are not unusual, this one was unusual in its intensity. Can you explain why the two countries continue to fight over this region? Well, the the reasons for the conflict actually date back, back quite a while. Um, the, the first emergence of disputes over this territory um, date back as far as, as the, the First World War or the period right after, at least. Um, essentially, what the two countries are, are fighting over is, is this one particular area known as Nagorno-Karabakh, which is officially in within Azerbaijan's territory as it was defined after the breakup of the Soviet Union, uh, but is actually inhabited by uh, Armenian people of, or people of Armenian ethnicity, which actually have their own autonomous republic known as the Artsakh Republic within Nagorno-Karabakh. In, in the early 90s, Armenia and Azerbaijan fought a, a violent war over the territory that eventually saw Armenia take control over the area, and, and it has held control over the area since then, but there hasn't been a, a final resolution over the the actual uh, territory. Azerbaijan continues to demand uh, for Armenia to abandon uh, the region, while, of course, Armenia, um, in support of the Artsakh Republic, continues to claim that this is this is not Azerbaijani territory. And, and this conflict has... has uh, flared up from time to time, even at the best of times, um, there are all daily ceasefire violations along the contact line between Armenia and Azerbaijan, and temporary escalations aren't all that uh, exceptional. But of course, what we're seeing now uh, with actual ground movement of, of the forces involved, this is this is a intensity of warfare that that we haven't really seen uh, since a. a th- 2016 escalation, and and even then, this current escalation even rises above that. What exactly led to this current crisis? So there, there are a lot of things that are at play here. Of course, the you know, as I mentioned, there is the constant pressure that that occasionally builds up. Um, but what we saw in this particular case is that prior to the start of fighting uh, on September 27th. Um, Azerbaijan has actually been preparing for this offensive. Um, Information gleaned from uh, satellite imagery and other sources show uh, that Azerbaijan, through the months of uh, September uh, or or even as far back as August, had been preparing its its forward positions, uh, building new trenches, rebuilding some trenches, um, moving heavy military equipment up to the front line. Uh, so they were clearly anticipating this offensive. And, and one of the things that might have contributed to this is, is the Turkish role in the conflict. 
Turkey has particular ambitions within the Southern Caucasus where it competes with Russia uh, for influence. Um, and, and Turkey operates mostly through Azerbaijan, which is its, its closest ally there, in order to challenge that, that Russian position. Uh, so one of the things that we saw following an, an escalation in July... Um, which was actually not in the Nagorno-Karabakh region, but in a different sector of the uh, Armenian-Azeri border, um, what we saw was was very intense military contacts between Turkey and Azerbaijan, um, including some high-level meetings, uh, including large military exercises. And it, it seems that what is playing out here is, is a Turkish attempt to try and challenge the the uh, Russian status quo in the southern ca- Caucasus through its support for Azerbaijan. Of course, with all of this this preparation, when fighting started on, on September 27, it, it immediately led to fairly intense combat. And, uh, you know, we've seen Azeri forces cross the contact line into the uh, previously Armenian-commanded uh, areas of, of Nagorno-Karabakh, and and you know th- this is essentially where we're at, and and the the fighting continues to this day. This latest conflict, Sim, has been going on for more than two weeks. How much of its objectives has Azerbaijan actually achieved? So this is actually one of the more interesting elements where we were talking about the preparations that Azerbaijan has made, the support that they're receiving from Turkey, but overall we're not actually seeing such significant shifts of. In, in control on the ground. Um, when when we look at where the contact line was prior to the start of, of these hostilities um, and where it has been for decades, uh, Azerbaijan has only mustered the the additional control of just you know some some of the villages in the the lower located lands just across the the contact line, and, and this is one of the realities of, of the Nagorno Karabakh conflict where. Being in the southern Caucasus, this this is very mountainous terrain, um, so there are limits to to actual military operations that very quickly arise uh, as you start to push more into those mountains, where you have less ability for for your troops to move across the battlefield, where opposing forces can be in in hardened defensive positions. Um, so that's that's very much what we are seeing now, where where Azerbaijan is able to make some gains, but very limited gains right across that contact line. So, Sim, what I'm hearing is there might be a very short season for mounting an offense, correct? I mean, between the mountains and the winter and the weather? I mean, definitely. This The coming winter will, will impose further restrictions on, on potential military movement. The question, of course, is whether the fighting will actually even last that long. So as, as Azerbaijan moves closer on, on the mountains, it becomes more and more difficult to make extra gains. And as it becomes more difficult for Azerbaijan to conquer that additional territory, it's going to want to translate its current gains um, into actual... Uh, concessions in the negotiation process. And that negotiation process has already started with uh, an initial ceasefire being announced and a a future ceasefire or a, a permanent ceasefire currently under discussion uh, with mediation by Russia, France, the US, which all serve as the uh, the leaders of the OSCE Minsk group, which, which kind of uh, centralizes the the negotiations over the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. You know, some ideas are are currently 
uh, popping up, uh, such as the the potential deployment of Russian peacekeeping forces, the the potential for Armenia to give up certain terrains to Azerbaijan. The different sides are not in agreement over over all of these suggestions yet, so that is something that is going to play out over the coming days and weeks. Um, but it, but it seems at the very least that the the conflict is headed for a new type of settlement, a new kind of agreement that will allow stability to return to the region. But there will be no final answer this round. No, Nothing's going to change, indeed, like right? the Yeah, the foundations of the conflict will, will still be there, but depending on how they actually manufacture a ceasefire agreement uh, or a peace agreement, whatever they, they call it at that point, they could actually install a... a monitoring regime or or a peacekeeping force that that removes some of the of the triggers that have been there in the past decades that have allowed these kind of escalations so for example if you have russian peacekeepers sitting in between the uh, azeri forces and armenian forces it becomes a lot more difficult for azerbaijan or armenia to launch an offensive like this on the other side without directly attacking russia thank you sim uh, thank you, Emily. Thanks for having me. You can read Simtac's analysis of this situation and Stratfor's more than two decades of coverage of the shifting geopolitics of the region with a subscription to Stratfor Worldview. Check out the special price for podcast listeners at stratfor.com slash podcast offer. That's all one word, stratfor.com slash podcast offer. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.